experiencing new car smell. This is nothing to be ashamed of. This is in fact a traditional time-honored critical thinking prerequisite. Also, if you have no sense of smell at all, you should consider that that has nothing to do with critical thinking directly, but maybe indirectly. We hope you're safe. And it might have something to do with COVID, so get yourself tested. That was my indirect critical thinking. Yeah, okay. All right, well, um, I'm Patty Payette. She is. I'm Brian Barnes. Thanks for taking the time today. Yes, we are here coming at you with our show, Critical Thinking for Everyone on Forward Radio. We are. Forward Radio is 106.5 FM, Louisville, Kentucky. It is at forwardradio.org, and it is of the people, by the people, for the people. And uh, you can get back episodes of Critical Thinking for Everyone on SoundCloud, and you can donate to Forward Radio at forwardradio.org. And we're even and we would like you to talk to us through our Facebook page. Please send us a message at Critical Thinking for Everyone. We want to know what you're thinking. We, you always are listening to what we're thinking. We absolutely would love to know what you're thinking. If you would. Uh, go to our Facebook page. Lay it on us. Do you think we're ever going to get an email address, Brian? I mean, do we need an email address? That was one of the suggestions we got. Do you think people would use that? I mean, we could certainly make it available. It's not available yet. So, I mean, I'd hate to be us. I don't know. What do you think? I'm thinking about pondering it. Um... Yeah, I think I think we should give that a shot. And if anyone else would like to ponder it with us, we, we wish you would reach out to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. Thank you. It's like a good way to start our jokes. Okay, it's our joke segment. Obituary. The world champion crossword puzzler died today. In a quiet ceremony, he was buried six down and three across. <laughs> you're a you're a crossword um fan are you not not oh so even though you love the new york times you do not love the new york times crossword you know the, here's the thing about crosswords you probably already know this they'll kill you if we take the they you, they are a certain way of thinking like there's a certain way of thinking to do a crossword Absolutely. Right. Well, every one of these kinds of little game things. Right, exactly. So so that actually fits really well into the show because every show has a every game has a mode of thinking. Like whether it's bridge or whether it's poker or whether it's um badminton or whether it's football or whether it's a crossword game, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a mode of thinking. And so when I discovered that it was a mode of thinking like a a a way of looking at a clue and discerning just the way scrabble there's a way of thinking um i realized wow i don't think that way and i could learn it but i did i had no interest well and that's the thing you know all of us 
good games or dare I say popular games seem to have a certain thing in common, which is you don't have to really learn very much about the deep logic of the game in order to have fun with it. Okay. So a lot of popular board games, as opposed to the ones that aren't so popular. Yeah. Right. That's a, a lot of it has to do with learning curve. Right. Oh, How right. Can I really get into this? Yeah. Like what's an example of a popular game that has, doesn't have a learning curve? Oh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Checkers has zero learning curve almost. Um, yeah. Something like um, Shoots and Ladders. Yeah. Uh, Monopoly has a little bit. But I mean, a lot of these very popular, longstanding, not like Scrabble, of course, there's quite a bit more involved. But as you point out, there's a logic to them. And we can use our own thinking to take that apart so that we can get at a higher level and we can actually then become really familiar with the distinctions between some of these things such that I'm actually particularly good at one of them or something as opposed to just being able to play all of them. Right, there's a skill that you can cultivate. Uh, so it's not just luck that there's a lot of skill involved. So right. there's like a understanding the logic and different moves. It's sort of like when your friend Bill was talking about chess and he said like a grandmaster can imagine and envision, you know, all of the, the depth and breadth of possible plays. That's right. So that comes with vast amounts of experience with the game. That's right. And deep thinking about it. Yeah. So that's probably could be transferred to almost any game, right? How much time do you really spend thinking about it? And, but that's interesting. I don't really have probably a very high tolerance for a learning curve for new games. Isn't uh, that, isn't that, that's, well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, everybody has different tastes in this regard. Would you say that there's any game that you play particularly well? I mean, in, in your opinion, like you, you feel like... Like a board game, you mean? Some kind of social game where you're not just a beginner at this. Um, I do like Scrabble. Okay. But I'm not super competitive. But you, but you feel like you do well I'm at okay. it? I'm okay. I, I would say I'm, I'm okay at it. You are a word I'm, I'm okay. So I do like Scrabble. I do enjoy Scrabble. Well, I mean, see, John Mill, a 19th century author that many of our listeners might be familiar with, I know you're familiar with, yes. um, an old hand at critical thinking himself in terms of the what we often talk about, the basic theory of critical thinking and stuff like that. Um, he talked about this. A lot of people think this is a little bit elitist, but I wonder what you think about this idea that Mill said that um, as I get more education, not just in a general way, but on specific, different specific topics throughout my life, like different abilities and different ways of living and stuff like that. He thought that my capacity for kind of enjoying my life and having a good life increased interesting so for him the more i developed skills especially right. skills that actually contributed positively to my experiences and whatnot right he thought that that would ultimately lead to the improvement of my mentation would lead to a better life um that's interesting so let's take that to somebody listening who's thinking okay 
when I think about how I interact with the world or I think of things, I, the meet, one I immediately thought of, Brian, when you were talking was like gardening. Okay. Right. So somebody could say, right, I can just kind of mow my lawn and just kind of do the bare minimum, or I can get good at understanding how to cultivate and make my plants or my yard really grow well and grow what in whatever vision I have for the yard or the garden. Sure. But there's a skill there that takes effort and intentionality. You can get good at it. Yep. Yep. And, um, or like me, you can just try to just try to get a little better and try to manage and maintain, but I don't have big designs on, on, I'm going to learn all these new skills. I'm going to try to just, just try to get good enough where like to my quality of life is everything looks good, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not set on raising the bar every year. Oh, yeah. And I think that has a lot to do, really, when you think about critical thinking. I mean, people, what you're kind of describing right now is kind of a, I mean, if I can put a word, a word to it, like a hobbyist sort of attitude. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in that mode with critical thinking, maybe, I mean, you're not, um, but I mean, if people are in that mode with critical thinking, they can do a lot of really nice critical thinking and they can do a lot of good work in this area. Without having to become like a scholar like you. Well, or you. I mean, we don't yeah. have, we can just right. work on a few moves. We can work on them at a level that works for us. We don't have to deepen um, our quality and our complexity all the time. But it's nice to know that critical thinking tools allow people to do that. And a lot of times, just like with your baked goods, as opposed to your gardening, over time, just doing what you do has created a fantastic outcome right because of your dedicated engagement with it and high quality uh repetition and stuff like that and so a lot of times if we do high quality yeah if we do high quality thinking if we do high quality practice we'll end up with great produce uh you know that's true because baking Baking and cooking are areas I have tried to actively improve and deepen and get better at and enjoy okay. it, enjoy it. Whereas yeah. gardening, gardening, I'm like, eh, do I love it? I don't love it. I like it just well enough, but I don't love it. Okay. Okay. Well, you seem to be really pretty engaged with it, but I know, I know one difference is, you know, a lot of times the natural systems, we let them kind of do their own thing maybe like we get them going in a certain direction whereas if you just yeah. in the kitchen you end up with a big mess yeah so this has been an interesting tangent i think it's been very worthwhile oh yeah um, let me ask you this so if someone's listening to the show and they're like brian just said i don't have to become a master critical thinker to get better at thinking critically i could just dabble a little i could just have you know smaller might what you know what we might call when we talked about resolute micro resolutions like maybe i'm not going to become a world-class uh you know cycling enthusiast but i could have a micro reflect or micro goal to like bike more right sure, bike bike sure. once a week maybe that's my goal sure or you know so let me ask you this what's a small critical thinking move people could work on without having to take on the whole become you or me like they just wanted to work on what what would one thing you'd recommend like a little thing they could do 
I would recommend that when people enter a new, when something changes, yeah, something intentional, I'm thinking about like you walk into a new store, yeah, walk through the threshold, or you go into a restaurant, or you uh, get into your car, or you um, decide to make dinner. I mean, when something changes in what you're doing, if you notice it, maybe you can stop and articulate your own point of view. Practice self-reflection and say, what is, what would, if somebody asked me, what's my point of view on making dinner? What would I say in, in two or three sentences? Can I come up with those two or three sentences? You don't have to be complex about it. What's my point of view now that I'm in Home Depot? I mean, of course, my point of view is as a customer, sure, but I'm here for a purpose. So what is that? Right. And what's, okay. am I, am I confused? Am I happy? Am I, what's going on here with me at Home Depot? Right. Am I, am I overwhelmed? Right. Do I need help? Do I need help? Right. Do I know exactly where it is? Like what's, I mean, I just think that we change our points of view based upon situations, but we always have a point of view to access. And so what this does is it allows us to get into our own thinking, self-reflection. We're always talking about on the show because my own thinking is more reliable as a thing to look at and practice critical thinking with than other people's thinking when they might be deceiving me or whatever, or have other motives or who knows. So this is a, this is something people can do because you're carrying it with you all the time, right? You're engaged with okay. your point of view. It's already there. There's no questions there, but we don't articulate it. That would be a thing people can do. And you can do as much or as little of it as you want. Even just noticing that you have a point of view automatically means that Doug's point of view over there in sales is different from yours, Yeah. right? Because now you got two because you just noticed yours. So there's no, there's no expectation that Doug's assumptions, concepts, information, interpretations, purposes would necessarily be identical to yours. And if you can start nailing down things like biases within the points of view and stuff like that, now you can be really intellectually empathic, which is to say, eventually, I can figure out what Doug, my coworker of many years, is thinking about this work-related activity before he even has oh, anything, nice. right? Because I can help, I can think about how he's going to think. Right, make an assumption there. And, well, an educated okay. one, right? Right, so, an educated yeah. assumption, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, that's an interesting little... Uh, that's a useful, interesting little thing. Um, but what does this have to do with crossword puzzle obituaries? Wah, wah, wah. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, right now is probably not the time to sort that out. We probably need to. We, we have to go back to... and listen to the last 20 minutes to follow that. <laughs> right to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. But right now, we're about to welcome a guest. He's going to be joining us any moment. Well, he's in the waiting room. We can let him oh, in. Oh, he is? Oh, yeah. Let him in. Ready? Mm-hmm. Hey, how are you? Hi. Hello. joining us. This is oh. your first time to meet Brian. Well, we met a little earlier. <laughs> Oh, that's yes. right. Yes. That's right. At least with any with any length of time. Yeah. We are delighted 
to welcome a guest today to Critical Thinking for Everyone. Uh, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you're aware that we do interviews uh, with uh, the purpose of locating critical thinking substance and process. Uh, and we want to highlight some of that. Often the guests that we have don't even know um, what it is that we're talking about, although this <laughs> one does. Uh, so this will be this will be delightful. I'm going to pass uh, the mic now to Patty to to introduce our guest. Yes, so we are welcoming Troy Plummer today to the show. Troy works here at U of L with Brian and I. Well, I shouldn't say he works with us. We all work at U of L, and uh, we all work at U of L. And Troy and I got to meet this summer. Uh, we both work here in Extram Library on the U of L Belknap campus. And Troy is a tier one desktop support. In other words, those are those people that you email or call in a panic and they save you. <laughs> they save you with whatever problem and then you bring them baked goods, which I <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it might it might start happening more now. You never know. Yes, yeah, Troy. The word will go forth now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Troy, we are so glad that you're here and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you and I met because you reached out to me this summer via email and yeah. you introduced yourself. And I didn't go back and look at the email, original email, it's been probably six months or more. Right. But I was trying to remember, what is it that sparked your interest in reaching out to me? Trump. Trump. Trump is the is the kind of simple answer. I mean. I have a long background uh, in, in, I don't know that I would have called it critical thinking per se. I probably didn't have as fancy a term for it, but things came to a head under Trump because I just think there's been such a shortage of critical thinking in and around um, all the things that are attendant to having to do with Trump. Okay. Uh, can I just jump in really quickly? Yeah. I definitely, I don't want to cut off this line of uh, thinking at all. I just want to make a disclaimer, if I may. Uh, critical thinking for everyone does not represent the political opinions of Forward Radio or the board of directors. Uh, and the opinions that we're going to express here are not meant to advertise any products, nor to endorse any political candidates. And if any political candidates do believe um, that somehow or another, they're, um, that they are owed equal time on this radio station because of something that's been said here. They should contact Forward Radio directly. And we have many, many options on this radio station for giving all candidates at all levels equal time. So okay. does that even have to be, uh, just a quick question on that, yeah. Brian. Does, since they got rid of the fairness doctrine, does that even have to be done anymore? We get audited by the FCC for this. And a okay. recently a, um, a a small radio station was fined heavily for this. Um, okay. So we just want to be careful, and sure. our board recommends that we um, that we make these sorts of statements. Yeah. They're on the side of caution. Yeah, very yeah. much. And then the thing is, of course, forty five's out of office, and maybe this is not relevant to any current political campaigns whatsoever. Whatever we're about to say, but I just want to throw that in there because, um, yeah because we, we might have to. So sorry okay. for everybody off, but I'm gonna actually, I'm literally gonna just fade away right now and let you guys do this. And I'll okay. jump back okay. in, in a moment. Woo, 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 woo. 
Okay, so Troy, just as a to follow Brian's note, so so you so when you talk about what you've noticed or experienced, if you talk about it in terms of what you've noticed and experienced, and we don't kind of attribute it to any single person, right? And we avoid right. So it's not censoring you; it's more of just how you frame it, sure. your experience. So sure, sure. So um, I mean, if you say, "Oh, it, I noticed it got more." over the last four years, right? That's fine. Or, you know, something like that. So anyway, so, so let me, let me go back for a second. Um, so what, um, you mentioned, you know, that you're, when you reached out to me, you're interested in critical thinking. Yes. Um, when, I guess, when did you first become aware of the concept of critical thinking? Are you, are you, could, right. could you identify that? Well, yeah, I mean, um, as far as my interest in critical thinking goes, it's kind of hard to know what the, my genesis story is, but I grew up farming and ranching uh, near Seymour, Indiana, uh, which if anybody's seen John Mellencamp's video, Small Town, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. back when MTV yeah. used to run videos, uh, that's the town I grew up in. Uh, at oh, least wow. that's, that's where I went to junior high and high school. My okay. family's farm is about five miles outside of Seymour. Okay. So um, the interesting thing about farming is that it's all on you. So it's like, you know, the ultimate small business, right? Um, chief cook, mechanic and bottle washer. And that that's all on you. Uh, animal husbandry, we, we run about 125 head of beef cattle. Uh, so every day is kind of constant problem solving. And so uh, critical thinking really becomes important because it's measured in your ability to continue to do the job, right? Like if you don't think about how the market, the Chicago Board of Trade is gonna fluctuate, if you don't think about how to, you know, deal in veterinary medicine relative to the cattle, uh, what do we, what are we gonna plant this year? How much do we need in the way of inputs like fertilizer, herbicides, pesticides, all that jazz? Um, yeah, being careful, just kind of, there was a kind of constant mindfulness that, had to occur when you were around heavy equipment all the time uh, that caused me to, I guess critical thinking just kind of became part and parcel of what I, what we were doing every day. And I can't remember a time where, it, it, I don't mean to make this all sound like drudgery and work. I, I wasn't, you know, uh, tied to a plow as a small child or anything like that, but we were always thinking in terms of how do, you, how, how do we make this a going concern and how do we not get hurt? Okay, so I want to explore that a little bit because that's sure. really interesting because yeah. critical thinking is a skill that you learn. You either yeah. learn or you don't learn or you learn parts of it or right, but you're not born with it. So um, so you said we, right? We learn this and, and you and this was sort of a, just a part of you growing up, right? You right. couldn't pinpoint a day. It was just part of your, sounds like your ethos in, yeah. in running a farm so who is the we like who is the person thinking out loud and thinking with you and other members of your family or other employees about these questions right who, who was that anybody and everybody really but because it was a family operation and I was lucky it was a three generations at the time so it was my grandmother and my paternal grandmother and grandfather my mother and father and myself uh, and then a cousin who joined us later when I was in my teen years. Uh, but those are, those are all the moving pieces. And we're up to six generations now. I have nieces and nephews wow. that are, are on the farm. I was, 
I was generation number five. So were these conversations you would have among yourselves about these decisions that you had to make? And was this at the dinner table? Was it out in the barn? Was it like, was it what, like, where you, so you're in these, you're listening to these conversations as a kid and learning to think this way. Right. Yeah. All of the above, um, because, you know, situations would present themselves, but in the winter months, like now, uh, a lot of people assume we had nothing to do, but that's usually when we'd really start concentrating on the cattle would need even more attention because we're having to take them forageable material because they're not, they, they can't always naturally graze. Right. But, um, but now is when the planning would begin for spring planting. So which seed companies are we going to go with? What's the best science behind the hybrids that they're offering? Oh. How do we know that those are leading uh, hybrid brands and varieties? How would we test that information? What kinds of third-party sources can we go to that would verify what's being said that didn't have a financial interest in backing a particular company? The company's going to tell you one thing, but what do we know in terms of independent, independently verifiable information? One of the things that we that we did and that's still done to this day is we had what were called test plots. So DeKalb Seed Company, Pioneer Seed Company, uh, uh, there were several others. Those are just some of the ones I can remember. We would plant in say a 40 acre field. Uh, each group got maybe uh, let's say 10 acres or some division of 40 wow. and you would plant their crop and you would plant it side by side and you would stake out in the front on a T metal post with a placard on it saying, this is what this particular hybrid is. And then you would see how it performed. How did it grow? Uh, and then that, wow. that would inform next year's choices uh, about, you know, and so people could actually come and see, okay, how big are the ears? How healthy are they? Oh, it was a drought this year. Was there a variety that performed better under drought conditions than another? So actual physical empirical scientific sorts of testing going on as well as saying, hmm, there's trouble in the Middle East. I wonder if that'll affect soybean prices. Maybe the Saudis won't buy as much this year. Oh. Well, there's that kind of thing going on too. Fascinating. What a what an amazing environment to grow. I mean, everything you said about how do we find a third party to verify this information and right. does have a fine. I mean, that's all really excellent critical thinking. Wow, yeah. training. Brian, comments? I have a question. Sure. Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, very detailed and, and a lot of those moves in there, I, I would say, are definitely the kinds of things that we're used to talking about on the show. To what extent, Troy, would you say that your experience was common among, I'm hearing you say farmers, say my, uh, my grandparents, one, one set of grandparents were farmers. So I grew up also uh, partially in a farming environment. I'm right. not a farmer. I don't, I don't try to carry that title at all, but I'm just, I'm familiar with some of the stuff that goes into some of it. Um, and I just, I'm wondering what you would say about, is it farming in your opinion that is implicitly loaded down with this critical thinking such that Here's what I'm trying to get to. What's the common thing, it, or is there a common thing in this bundle of experiences you've been laying out for us that you can say this aspect of it is where the critical thinking stuff really is? As right. 
as opposed to just the thinking, because the thinking is there all the way through it. Right. And it would be even if people didn't do a good job. Right. What do you think? Well, I think sort of thinking about thinking is what we ended up doing. In other words, how are we going to craft the tools sure. necessary yep. to, to think about this in a reasonable way? Yep. 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 Um, and so, you know, a lot of that, what I, I'm going to guess, and I know you come from a business background, business ethics, right, Brian? Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of this is, I would, I would argue that the more entrepreneurial an undertaking is, uh, probably the more it sort of naturally forces this sort of thing to happen because the a lot of that is on the shoulders of the entrepreneur, right? It, it can't be several steps removed. Like if it's a really big law firm, maybe a certain set of paralegals only deals with tort cases. Sure. You know, they don't deal with contract law. Sure. Uh, and so they're going to develop an expertise in that particular way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question because I don't know that we ever sat down and said, here are the tools we're going to use Okay. Uh, as much as, well, here's what's worked in the past. Uh, and unless and until we see some sort of reason to change, uh, in other words, okay, uh, we're not going to listen to, you know, report X, Y, or Z anymore. We're going to really, we're going to rely on, on report ABC uh, sure, for sure market analysis and that type of thing. Um, but, you know, a lot of this would occur kind of um, organically at gatherings, right? So you'd meet, you know, for some sort of potluck meal at the at the township fire department and the other farmers are all talking about among themselves what's working, what's not working because the, the driving force was always, how do I improve the business, right? How do I get more for less? How do I get sure. less effort maximizing profit because the profit margins were so ridiculously thin. I think that the year I started college, my dad's income was negative $7. Yeah. Yeah. No farming uh, is yeah. terrible in this, in this particular regard. Right. So, yeah. but I, I don't want to rattle on because I want to give you an opportunity to kind of further hone that if there's something more I can, if I can give you on that, but it seemed much more organic. The thing that differentiates CT for me now versus critical thinking for me then mm -hmm. is that I'm probably more uh, attuned to trying to think about tool building and tool making. So like the materials that Patty kindly gave me earlier this summer from ideas ah. to action, that kind of helps to, to shape it. And I would think from an educator standpoint, maybe these are issues that touch on pedagogy. Am I using that term correctly? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. So sort of how, how do we think about how we're thinking? Right. Uh, right. Uh, and so that didn't, that wasn't as big a part of what defined CT for me then as it does now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's very helpful. And I'm going to pass it back to Patty. Um, I just want to, I just want to sort of, yeah, just, just refine one, one idea really quickly. And that is if, if we're, what you're saying about your experience, I would say, I mean, a lot of people might say about their experience in any number of professional areas, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I'm just wondering if that kind of thinking is enough to say that it's, I mean, I, th I think there's a good case to be made, right? But, it, but is it the case that critical thinking is so common that it is implicitly embedded in whatever we call successful thinking in all areas. Um, I, think, 
I think maybe. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, my impression is it's sort of like, if you're getting along well enough, you probably don't really ever you know, bother to yeah. pause and consider <laughs> how can it be better, right? Maybe so, maybe so. Where, whereas CT, I kind of think, pushes you to say, uh, are we really doing, like my dad, you know, you would see this in generations, right? The expectation was that each generation is going to bring something new to the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for my dad, it was looking at best management practices, right? Okay. So he took more of an MBA-like approach to the farm than oh, my grandfather necessarily had, okay. yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, CT, it seems to me is, if you're using it, and this is me, you know, coming to it with these kind of new tool sets as a relative novice, seems to say to me is, well, okay, now I have a way of gauging my thinking to know whether or not I'm actually making the best choices based on the best tools mm -hmm. that I have. I'm actually asking those questions rather than just saying, well, I got lucky in judging the market this time, rather than saying, <laughs> is, there, is there a way that I knew something? And if I did, what was it? And how do I duplicate that, right? Yeah. Or if something right. changes, how do I take that into account? Uh, if I were to define critical thinking, it would be, I guess the, the short pithy answer would be the best use of currently best information. Uh, that's, now, nice. I realize that's kind of quantitative, yeah. quantitatively, yeah. qualitatively open-ended, uh, but, but for me, that's kind of the shorthand. Yeah, you said, yeah. say that again, that your definition is the best use of the best information, say it again. Yeah, best use of currently best information. Okay, yeah. You know, like that's... if you think about it, like a, we always see spy thrillers or, or whatever, and the moral conundrum question always comes in. Did you make the best decision you could with the information you had available at the moment you made it? Yeah. And CT, it seems to me, ought to really go towards saying, is this the best information that I have available currently yeah. to me? Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, I like your definition because um, it focuses on a couple things. You said, is this the best use, right? So it asks you to really not just think from your gut, not just to go with what the first thing that comes into your mind, but the best use means have I really have I really been intentional? Have I really the best use re requires that I'm aware that there's a standard of thinking that I'm striving for, right? Right. And right. so I really like that, that it's like, I've have I really done due diligence in my thinking? And then the best, the current information that I have, because Brian and I have talked often over the years about critical thinking is, is the attitude of when I get more information, when I get different information, that's solid information, then I will update my thinking. It's not- Scientific method. Staying in the same, right. It's not staying in the same beliefs because this is what always felt good yes. and it's what but I'm always gonna be open to more information. And, and the stakes uh, for that are becoming higher and higher. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, recently said the thing that keeps him up at night is not wondering about whether or not a massive asteroid is gonna take us out as a species, but whether or not we're too stupid to survive into modernity. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and I know he's being somewhat glib and trite and, you know, <laughs> and that type of thing, but, but, the, but the point is true. The world is not growing less complex. It's growing progressively more complex and maybe even exponentially more complex. Uh, you know, like if we thought 
mutually assured mutually assured destruction relative to nuclear weapons seems to me sort of a fortunate default position, right? You just kind of looked at it and said, oh, okay, this is not a good deal. We probably shouldn't lob nukes at each other. But how about genetic engineering? How about artificial intelligence? Or, or uh, bio-warfare, right? Exactly. Or, well, right, what, are we, yeah. what are we gonna do with all these things? <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, like the Oscar Wilde quote, that famous quote from him, right? Is that the, the hard thing is that life often gives the test before it gives the lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the stakes are true. getting higher for us. Yeah. And that's why I think that's that's the strongest argument I can make in favor of saying why people should care about CP. Is because life is getting more complex. And so our thinking has to advance, right? Yeah. Or or, or we're going to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. hundred thousand and this hundred. So Columbia University published a report, a study that said some percentage of the overall number of COVID deaths can be attributable to mismanagement. Well, my, my position is that had CT been more at the center of that, of developing an approach, that would have translated directly into lives saved. And that's a laudable and heavy uh, bit of baggage for CT to carry, but, but, it, it, but it carries it. Okay, but here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh -huh with COVID, let's use COVID as an example and prevention measures, Sure. okay? Let's just talk about that. I, Anthony Fauci, uh, Governor Bashir, right? All these people in leadership roles can think critically and make recommendations, but ultimately to make it work, everyday people yes. have to think critically yes. and, and have to follow through on those things. Right. So. So while I agree with you, we have a number of leaders who aren't putting critical thinking at the center around COVID, and we have a number of leaders who are. Yes. Ultimately, where I worry sometimes is the average person who doesn't, even if the leader is saying, here are the implications of not wearing a mask. Right. Here are the assumptions we have about the virus. Right. But when the average person rejects all good thinking about the virus yes that's that's to me a harder a harder hill to climb i absolutely agree which takes us back to that kind of working definition of best use right the best use somebody could stop and say well the best use is once the federal and state governments have demonstrated that they're using ct properly then we're done but i would argue and to dovetail with your point that the best use actually goes all the way down to the individual yeah how can we make Brian, how can we make people think critically about COVID? Like your neighbors in the in the building where you're sitting right now. How how do you how do you foster your neighbors doing that better? Can you? Is that even something you can do? Well, I mean, if you don't engage with them, it's very difficult. I mean, we can um, certainly demonstrate things like best practices, right? We so model it. Sure, of course. I mean, the mask wearing, the social distancing, um, we and other. Uh, folks have put out um, hand sanitizer things on the, in the shared areas. Did you? Have you done that? Sure. Yeah. yeah just, you know, nobody's required to use it. Um, there aren't yeah. any seating areas or anything. It's just pass-through areas like yeah. you know, mail and accessing, you know, storage and stuff like that. But there are, you know, there are little ledges there and stuff. You can put things and um, people use it. Um, you okay. know, we... 
certainly um, when I walk dogs and things like that, I carry masks. And when I come across neighbors, I make, um, you know, I make an effort to put those masks on, um, you know. But, I, okay. So I don't know. I mean, those kinds of things seem to work around here. I, it's hard when you don't have a lot of, you know, regular conversation to do a lot more. I suppose we could do things like post signs and whatnot, but um, there's a court, there, there are of course cleaning protocols as well, but that's not, you know, that's not what I do. Uh, yeah, I just, I guess I was just um, reflecting on uh, Troy, your, your comment and my, my feeling of sometimes a little bit like, how do we get the average person to become a better critical thinker. Well, and it, and it becomes layered too, doesn't it? I mean, as the issue becomes, like say for instance, politicized, mm -hmm. or let's even say that yeah. on a more basic level, it's a dis disagreement among family members. Well, now then we've got our egos involved, right? Sure. And that that adds a layer of complexity. Um, you know, Ouch, yeah. And we've, we've seen and read, all of us have a lot of information over the last four years or over the last year, if we're just gonna talk about the, uh, COVID-19, about how do we reach our neighbors? How do we reach our friends? I, I've lost friends. Um, sure. uh, uh, I, I've, uh, I've lost friends due to the debate. And uh, I had a friend, close friend of mine the other day tell me that his mother and father had both died of COVID because his brother and sis, his brothers and sisters had let their kids run rampant in grandma and grandpa's house. Wow. And they had oh. continued to go to school Wow. Uh, the, they, they, the, they were a vector. It's, it was scientifically proven. Um, and, you know, my question to him was in terms of these rubber meat to the road kind of thinking about why CT is important is how do you, how do you put things back together? Right. Cause now the family is at each other. Uh, you know, there's, uh -huh. a, there's all this recriminations cause he's comes from a large family. I think he had three sisters and, and two or three brothers. And some of them had abided by protocols and others hadn't. Right. And, th and those that had, you know, had constantly said, if this keeps happening, because grandma and grandpa can't say no to right. the grandkids running around in the house. Right. Um, yeah, uh, th th that's the thing I think I try to, I'm trying to always remember is that, th you know, this isn't just sort of how many angels can dance on the head of a pen sort of discussion. There, there are very real world consequences. Yes to sure. our, yeah. our developing critical thinking. Right, yeah, 100%, but that's also, I think, I mean, there's a real problem there because one of the things that Patty and I discussed many, many times is that we literally can't make anybody do it. That's right. I mean, there's not, there, there really isn't a method for coercing. Forcing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you can appeal to people's self-interest, I suppose, but of course in the, you know, in the dramatic, and um, you know, terrible case that you're mentioning. I mean that 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 ship has sailed. So I mean, right. I, I've used it with my own family. It, it did seem to, as a cautionary tale, there was value relative to the critical thinking that emerged from that, right? Because now it's concrete. Mm -hmm. Now we Good. know somebody that this happened. Yes, at least. Is that, do you think that helped? I do in some ways. Yeah. I mean, my farm family is somewhat lucky in that. So there are three generations living there now. Um, my nieces and nephews, my sister and brother-in-law, those are her child, their children, and my mother and father, and also my brother-in-law's father lived there and all worked together. Um, and so 
they're somewhat lucky in that farming by its very nature is kind of isolated, right? They, right. everything they really need aside from going in to get groceries from time to time sure. is pretty much right there. Um, and of course they're availing themselves of all the same services we all are relative to Amazon and you right. know, yes, delivering parts to repair equipment and so on and so forth. But I could tell in conversation, like my mom and dad won't wear masks in the house, right? So when we go over to visit, even though we're fortunate, I, my wife, Caroline, uh, works for the uh, School of Education. She says, hello, by the way, Patty, Caroline Sheffield is my wife. I don't know if you know. Oh, I didn't make that connection. What a nice connection. Thank yeah. you for helping me. Okay, awesome. Yeah. But so when we go to visit, even though we're getting tested and that type of thing, we insist on putting masks on. For a long time in the summer months, we would sit outside, right? Sure. And, and remain, maintain yeah. social distance, including with masks on. Right. Uh, now, what we do is when we go there, we make sure we have clean tests uh, and then, um, and we're primarily isolating at home. Um, and then, you know, we wear masks inside. But I could tell that with my mom and dad, while it's a little harder sell for them, because they're both in their 70s now, um, is it, that kind of storytelling made a difference. They were more cognizant about it. And you could, I could tell that it seemingly had an effect on them. Okay. Um, so. Like when people would show up, they started keeping the doors locked because at our farmhouse, a lot of people just, because they know my family and they're there to talk about whatever, they'll yeah. just roll right in. Sure. Wow. <laughs> but my parents started keeping the doors locked so they could say, okay, you need to pause. Okay. Uh, because we need to either put masks on or come out or do yeah. something. So, right. so I think, I think that story scared them. And so I, I think it's, it's the cautionary tale. Yeah. Cautionary exactly. tale. Um, so um, is there one place in your life, Troy, that you think uh, critical thinking is, been the most helpful i mean you talk about the farm but other other right. things in your life that where you really lean into critical thinking a lot it's made a difference well i mean i could i could talk about work and that type of thing and that that's certainly you know process of elimination to try and diagnose problems but i think the the the, the biggest takeaway for me probably and, and i hope maybe in some ways that will be carry the greatest impact is to talk about is to say it, it was in therapy relative to my own divorce and just speaking broadly about that, uh, you have to figure out, like, this is the reason most second marriages have such difficulty, right? It's because most of us don't take the time we really need to take to say, where did I screw up? Oh. Um, you know, what part do I own? What part do they own? Uh, what can I do better about? Um, so again, thinking about thinking, which is how I, which is another kind of great right. I think, working definition of critical thinking. Yes. Thinking, is, to, yeah. is, to say, is to say how, because there's so much attached to it, right? So many emotions, so many other things that all swirl around these issues. And divorce is just one of those great things that as a society, we, you know, we either have experienced it or know people who've experienced it, not known those that went better, known those that went worse know those that have had successful follow-on relationships, maybe not so much for other folks. But a part of that is introspection, looking inwardly and asking those critical questions. And for me, critical thinking, in that case, facilitated by my therapist, 
um, was really helpful. Um, like in helping you make sense of of the experience and what happened and- Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, as I'm sitting here thinking about, the big bugbear for me was, I my dynamic was, and I think I can do this abstractly enough, uh, I thought in order to be loved, I had to be right. Um, because, and it's kind of funny thinking about some, potentially some of the pitfalls of critical thinking, right, was I was so honed as a child for my thinking uh. critically, right, is that you get very, and, and it's easy to fall in the trap of thinking, well, I've done this a million times before, I'm good at this, right? I, I know how this is supposed to go. So then you start not doing the kinds of things you should be doing, which is being quiet and listening, right? Um, and so again, that's a failure of not recognizing the best good that can come from critical thinking and just focusing on, well, we just need to make a decision, right? Right. It's uh -huh. you think, well, it's about do we buy the Chevy or do we buy the Ford? Oh, and it's, and it's not. It's how do I go about making the decision about whether we're going to buy the Chevy or the Ford? How do I make it a collaborative yeah. or in a case of the university, a collegial process? Right. Like those are the big breakdowns. The breakdowns are always I don't feel like I'm being listened to or you're not listening to me. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, that learning to think about how I wasn't taking in a, the bigger picture, right? So, so it, I, thank you for sharing that example. You know how I think of that example is, is the question, which is the best car to buy or which is the best car for us? Yes. As a couple, yes. right? So then if it's, well, everybody, all this data says that the Chevy is the best car, right. but your partner has reasons why that's not the best choice for them. Right. So the criteria is less about just the pure logic of what's in, in collaborative. Well, how do we come up with the best decision for us? Right. And the way it gets weighted. Right. Yeah. So Brian, I don't know if you have a similar uh, thought about that or some you've talked in your own, you know, over the years about some of the lessons that you've learned. Um, well, I, I, I would rather make this comment with regard to the process. Uh, yes. Frankly, we're really close to being out of time. I just want to thank Troy so much for giving thank us something to think about here. Um, I just want to make this comment, which I think is also uh, relatively relevant. You tell me. We're talking a lot about solving problems with critical thinking and maybe what other criteria there may be. And I just want to make this distinction for our listeners and for folks thinking about this stuff, we talk about um, strong sense versus weak sense critical thinking. And critical thinking in the weak sense is what we talk about when we say, oh, I'm just trying to solve this, right? Like the goal is to solve some problem and nothing more. And a lot of times that's exactly what we need with the critical thinking tools and no, no shame, no disappointment, no other expectations. Right. Other times there are reasons to go beyond and some of which you've been talking about here a little bit and with these just very recent examples, I just want to throw in another reason to go beyond and that is maybe in line with what we call strong sense critical thinking. Maybe what we're trying to do is actually reach some sort of higher truth about the situation. Yes. Right. Yeah. And in some cases that's very relevant, even if that's not the immediate purpose. Right. And so people can use these tools in such a way that they're making sure that they're being fair 
to all of the people involved in the situation, for example, even if it means they themselves don't get the maximum possible outcome. I mean, that would be a sort of example. I think that's in line with some of the stuff you're, uh, you're telling yeah. us. How do I want, you know, the first problem is how do I not die? The second problem is how do I respect somebody else's humanity? And how do I insist on my humanity being respected? If only everybody thought about it that way. I think that's a pretty nice framework right there. <laughs> yeah, I like it, Troy. Maybe you'll run for office. Uh, uh, well, we're so glad you joined us today. Well, thank you. It's been a real treat. I appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, if it works out, maybe we'll get a chance to do it again sometime. It's always, yes. it's always good to have these conversations. We, we love it. We're here doing this every single week because you know we love it. Good. So. Excellent. I've enjoyed your programs. They've been very helpful. And I think there's a real hunger out there for it. Well, feel Thank free you. to pass it around. We're, uh, we're delighted that you find them uh, useful. And, and uh, we thank you for your contribution again today. And uh, we will absolutely have this show out there so that you can, um, you know, add to the pile of good thinking that we're trying to perpetuate. Well, thank you for facilitating that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we'll more. All right. we will, I'll follow up with you about when you can listen and expect to, to hear the show and send me a photo that we can use for our social media. Okay. We'll do. Okay. Great. Great. Thank you so much, Troy. See you soon. Okay. Take Bye. care guys. Bye-bye. was a fun interview and uh, I'm really glad that we could make that happen. If you would like to do an interview with us, uh, you should reach out to either Patty or to me and you can do that through Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook or if you know another way to contact us, just hit us up, you know, whatever you're into. Uh, myself, I respond to underground sonar um, and also smoke wow. signals smokes so so i have two alternative ways in addition wow. to well, social media i also have some alternative ways telepathy oh all right people, people can just beam right into my mind that's handy another one is carrier pigeon oh, yeah um i have a bedroom window which is a ledge okay and they're welcome to send me messages um, kind of like a raven on Game of Thrones. That's kind of cool, actually. Okay. Okay. I would love that. <laughs> well, now you know um, what to do to reach out to Patty and to me. It sounds like Patty's ways are, are, I mean, I thought I had it locked in, but I think it might be way more interesting to try to get hold of Patty uh, in some alternative ways. Anyway, we hope that you use some of these tools this week. We hope you think really hard about the examples that Troy gave and that uh, Patty and I were giving today. We hope that you will think about your own thinking and dig deep into your own process and your own assumptions and your own purposes. That's what we need for a better society. And friends, the stuff is absolutely for everyone. Even you. Even you.
want to thank Troy again for spending time with us and thank Patty for all of her hard work on the show. Just want to give a shout out to Forward Radio. Don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but Forward Radio's growing up. It's growing up. And you've been here for it. The question is, did you support it while it was growing up? Or did you just sit by and let it struggle and flounder? Now's the time to put your stamp on Forward Radio's long-term development. You can say, I was there when. And we sure wish you would be there, folks. It only takes 20 bucks a day to get on our radar. We sure need you. We're coming out of the Hayburn building. There are so many different expenses that we've got to be involved in. It takes some excellent thinking, of course, and there's plenty of great thinking. As you probably already know, you can go over to forwardradio.org. You can get fantastic um, schedules for shows. They're color-coded. They're easy to read. You can check out Bench Talk. You can check out Sustainability Now. You can check out Retro Forward. You can check out Depth and Weight. You can check out Brunch with Black Folks. You can check out all the great stuff. And if for some reason you can't find it in this week's schedule, please hop on over to SoundCloud or go to one of these fine social media outlets for any of these shows like ours on Facebook, Critical Thinking for Everyone, and we will absolutely blow your mind with the community radio. Some of you are saying, you know what really needs to happen is you clowns at Forward Radio over there, you need some guidance. You need someone to come in there and show you how to run a radio station so that you can really make it big. Friends, we need you. The people are doing all we can, but we are just the people. We need powerful thinkers like you to show up to our board meetings, to take the reins, to put your 60 or 80 hours a week into this project instead of the people who are doing it now. God bless all of our hardworking board members. You can be one and you can help shape this community radio station in the heart of downtown Louisville. If you care about Louisville, this radio station can be a platform for you. And so we hope that you'll join our board and we hope that you'll advertise your business and donate to us. Uh, Of course, we're not advertising on this show. Oh, no. Far from it, friends. We hope that you'll come and promote your interests. We hope that you'll help others with their technical details. We hope that you'll help with governance and fundraising and all of the good things that Forward Radio can do. Please join us. Join us for a show. Join us for a board meeting. But join Forward Radio. Thank you.